Tonight's narrative is made possible by viewers like you and Hover.com, an easy way to find and register a domain name. Use promo code REACH to get 10% off. And hello, everybody. Welcome to Narrative. Hello, Eric Garland. Nice to see you. It's been a couple of days. Hello, Zev Shalev. How you been? I'm great. Um, we have a lot to talk about tonight, but there's nothing structured. There's nothing organized, but there's just so much stuff going on. And we'll discuss as we go through it. Um, I should remind folks that you can support us at patreon.com forward slash narrative for as little as 5 to $10 a month. You can support freedom. And I should also tell you that you can, if you're watching on YouTube right now, subscribe to Narrative by hitting that subscribe button. And also that little bell that appears next to the subscribe button is important because it reminds you every time we're on the air. Um, I want to start today with the events out of China, which is not surprising. There's events out of China and events out of DC that involve China. And the Communist Party Congress just wrapped up under very difficult circumstances. There's definitely been a consolidation of power around Xi Jinping. There's no doubt that he's taken the Communist Party far right in American terms, and the liberal progressives of the CCP are no longer in contention there. They're no longer even in the cabinet, even in the Politburo. They're just being disappeared, and we'll show you some of that tape in a bit. At the same time, there's been all this intelligence activity here in the United States around espionage. I know you have a lot of thought about China, Eric, because I think that there's so much going on as we've been covering here on Narrative. You know, I come from the world of competitive intelligence, which covers a lot of economic espionage doing defense against that kind of thing. There's nation state partners with that, but that's one of my bailiwicks. And the Chinese have been notorious for this for decades now. And if you talk to anybody who's in a university setting who has to deal with intellectual property, especially like information technology, they'll tell you who the number one threat is there. You know, Russia has its problems. I think they do quite a bit of the ransomware work. But in terms of extracting intellectual property from the United States for their use, it's the Chinese. And this is turning up in places like their hypersonic missile designs, where there are a number of companies who have been stolen from or they have violated sanctions. Uh, What's going on uh, there? You're talking about hypersonic missiles? Oh, there's a lot of U.S. technology turning up in new Chinese designs. Hmm. And the engineers who made that and it's classified, they tend to recognize it if they see anything about it. So, right. Uh, yeah. That's, That's pretty no serious stuff, right? It is very serious stuff. We talk a lot about China here on the show because we've been doing The Dragon's Tale, which is our report on the vast amount of information we've now collected around China's untold story of their attack on the United States democracy since, since 2016, maybe even before 2016. So we've been probably at the leading edge of this interesting revelation about China and everything that they've been doing. As we see things being borne out in the newscasts, as we put them out every a couple of days, there is so much going on. And it's Mary Garland brought, um, was, I was surprised by that press conference yesterday. Were you surprised by it? I was a little taken aback by the, firstly, Mary Garland showing up for the press conference. He doesn't do every press conference the Department of Justice does. They don't normally do this kind of stuff out in public. Counter espionage is not something that happens in criminal courts most of the time. It happens, as you pointed out in your great thread the other day, it happens in, you know, behind the scenes. It's espionage. It's secret. But here it was playing out in the <laughs> in, in, on television That's screens. That's the rumor. 
uh, you wouldn't know. How would you know? But um, <laughs> but Eric, tell us a little bit about how important this press conference was, because it's really unusual to have an event like this happen. The goal of most counterintelligence is to neutralize the threat, because if we're going to bring you into a court of law and arrest you, even if you're a foreigner, you get rights to the U.S. Constitution and the federal rules of criminal procedure, and you have a right to disclosure. Now, in the case of something that has to do with espionage, there are often classified documents that led to the government building its case. And there's usually a very thick wall between the criminal division and the counterintelligence and FBI and DOJ in general. And there has to be some crossover there. So the general approach towards counterintelligence is to figure out who's messing around, who they work for, if they are a citizen of that country, or if they're being employed by somebody to work as an intermediary, figure out who they are, what they're doing, what they want, and then you try and close down the threat to the nation. That's not the same thing as prosecution. Prosecution is collection of evidence, which is not the same thing as intelligence. And evidence has to be available to present to that defendant's counsel. So there's a whole bunch there we might not want to let go. As a result, you just don't see that many espionage prosecutions. The one going on with Tom Barrick and the United Arab Emirates, if I could name check that just real quickly for contrast mm -hmm. here, that one's going forward. They've got his text messages with these Emirati officials and our old buddy, Tom Barrick, who's Donald Trump's business partner in that stupid hotel in DC. And he apparently staffed Trump's 2016 yeah, campaign. Yeah, yeah. That's and right. he ran all the finance for the inauguration. He was like the lead guy. You know, it's been accused by the U.S. government that Barrick is an agent of the United Arab Emirates. And they have these hilariously obvious text messages where he's like, hey, did you like the last interview I did where I talked about you guys on television? Well, I'm going to go on national television again because I'm working with Donald Trump, who's my buddy. So what do you guys want? I mean, the definition of a, an unregistered yeah. foreign agent is someone who's working with high-level people like that. And Barrick's testimony was that he didn't really know they were with the government. And if you look at the government's <laughs> indictment, it says, like, official number one <laughs> worked with the emir. Official number two was a high-ranking officer in the armed forces. Official number three was on the National Security Council. My joke there is, like, what, are we supposed to believe that it's, it's a mom-and-pop, like, organic farmers market, National Security Council and armed forces and not the government one. There's usually I, I, only one. I guess that's what he's trying to say. I mean, ignorance is no protection from a crime, right? You still are prosecuted for a crime, regardless of the fact that you're ignorant of the realities of what was going on. But let's get back to this case. You know, maybe we should sure. spend a little time talking about what counter espionage is and what espionage is, because there are two different things. And most people don't realize when they say, why hasn't America Carlin uh, prosecuted Donald Trump yet? A lot of the stuff might be happening behind the scenes in a different kind of investigation. It might be happening in a counterintelligence investigation. Now, as you point out, they're separate, but they're all housed in, in similar agencies. So you get counterintelligence in FBI, but you also get criminal in FBI. Um, and the counterintelligence is not really in the pursuit of criminal indictments or criminal justice. They're not looking to throw right. people in jail. They're looking to neutralize threats that are coming from overseas. And they do that through many different ways. So can you tell people a little bit more about what counterintelligence really is? Well, counterintelligence is generally 
knowing what kind of operations are running against your country very often on your soil, but we split this up where the FBI does the counter spy work on U.S. soil and the CIA does it out in the field, out, out in other countries. And these people, of course, travel back and forth. The messages travel back and forth. So there has to be a certain amount of teamwork there on recognizing threats. What's the difference between espionage and counter espionage? Espionage, you can be just trying to listen and learn things that you can try and have an effect. There's some countries that try and change the dynamics of elections in other countries. You may have heard of this. So at the end of the day, you know, what are the defenders doing to try and stop that? Well, they're trying to figure out who these guys are and catch them. And one of the ways you can do that is you can put a little bait out at like you give them someone in the government who they think is somebody that they're trying to attract, like somebody who is maybe not that loyal to their nation. They might have a another set of loyalty to a country that they might be related to with family members. And those agents will try and recruit somebody usually in a sensitive spot. It could be a corporation, but very often if you have somebody in the government who has access to knowledge and you can flip them to work for you, then that's awesome. But then there's the old thing called it being a double agent. So what happened in the case that Merrick Garland brought to our attention yesterday was there were some Chinese agents trying to get some insight into the prosecution of Huawei, which is a Chinese telecom company that makes a whole lot of spy gear that the Chinese have been trying to get near our military bases and generally serves the purposes of the Chinese state. And so they found an agent that was feeding them information about the progress of the prosecution. And it turned out the documents he was feeding were counterfeit and were tarted up to look classified and weren't accurate because in reality, he was a double agent. He was acting like a traitor, but he was really one of ours. So- I love it when the plan comes together. Um, here is Mary Garland's press conference from yesterday. It's unusual for a criminal investigation to lead to criminal indictments for people involved in espionage, but it's not that unusual anymore, actually. Let's take a look. Over the past week, the Justice Department has taken several actions to disrupt criminal activity by individuals working on behalf of the government of the People's Republic of China. As always, the defendants in these cases are presumed innocent until proven guilty in a court of law. Earlier today, in the Eastern District of New York, a complaint was unsealed charging two PRC intelligence officers with attempting to obstruct, influence, and impede a criminal prosecution of a PRC-based telecommunications company. The complaint alleges that in 2019, the defendants directed an employee at a U.S. government law enforcement agency to steal confidential information about the United States criminal prosecution of the company. The defendants believed that they had recruited the U.S. employee as an asset, but in fact, the individual they recruited was actually a double agent working on behalf of the FBI. As the complaint alleges, the defendants paid a bribe to the double agent to obtain non-public information, including files from the U.S. Attorney's Office in the Eastern District. They did so in the hope of obtaining the prosecution strategy memo, confidential information regarding witnesses, trial evidence, and potential new charges to be brought against the company. The double agent provided the defendants with documents that appeared to present some of the information they sought. In fact, the documents were prepared by the U.S. government for the purpose of this investigation and did not reveal actual meetings, communications, or strategies. This was an egregious attempt 
by PRC intelligence officers to shield a PRC-based company from accountability and to undermine the integrity of our judicial system. So those are biting words. It's bad news. Well, there was a lot of tea spilled there about, you know, the variety of different intelligence operations. And again, I got to admit, ever since Trump and his cronies came in, I've been talking about intelligence stuff in public in ways I never used to. And that has nothing to do with me and everything to do with Jared Kushner and these idiots and these obvious foreign agents. I just not used to having like doing reactions to press conferences, but this is inside baseball. It's pretty cool. Yeah. There were three different operations that they busted by putting them in criminal charging documents. One was about how there's a think tank that's really just a spy center, the Institute for International Studies. Uh, it's USV Wang Lin, Bi Hongwei, Dong Ting, and Wang Chang. Oh, interesting. So that- it's and, that, that's uh, not unusual, but the fact that they're calling it out is actually uh, quite unusual. Uh, the Institute for International Studies was a purported academic institute ostensibly operating as a component of Ocean University of China, located in Qingdao, China, which MSS intelligence officers described in this indictment used as a cover institution for their true clandestine intelligence activities. And those are words that you usually read on a document that says classified yeah, at the top. Yeah, it's it true. is not out in front of polite company. It's number one, you've got the Institute's number tank. one. Yeah. Then you get the guys who were dealing with a double agent yeah, who were trying to Huawei. protect Huawei. And then the third one pertains to our buddy Guo um, Wang Yi oh, because really? it's about Operation Fox Hunt. They indicted a few people who were harassing someone who's not one of Steve Bannon's friends. Oh. But they were trying to get him to go back to China to do whatever they wanted. And one of the things Attorney General Garland made very clear is stop coming to our country to bring your autocratic abuses to people that are a resident here, whether they're citizens or not, we protect them. It's been <laughs> and, happening a lot. Yeah. Basically, they are coming to America or coming to Canada, wherever they might be, kidnapping Chinese nationals that are living in the United States, often citizens in the United States, and returning them back to mainland China. We're not really sure what happens then. Are these people supposedly prosecuted there? Are they then turned into assets? It's um, very difficult to get insight into what exactly happens in China. And of course, China has also been accused lately of opening up all these police stations in the United States and in China in communities under the guise of being there to renew passports or whatever, but really what they're there for is to keep an eye out on the communities inside the United States or Canada and keep an eye out for any people who might be dissidents or speaking too much out about the Chinese Communist Party. So it really is the long arm of the Chinese Communist Party reaching into the United States and Canada. So that's the third case that the DOJ brought. Yeah. And it and relate because of Operation Fox Hunt, of course, mm-hmm. Guo Wengi was sort of a fake victim of that. Right. Yeah. He's not really per- not being really pursued. Different. He's the pursuer. Yeah. So all of this is happening as China is doing its own um, rebuilding, re- uh, rebranding. I don't know what you would call these. Some people have called it Xi uh, or Xi maximum years that we're going through right now. You know, the ascendance of Xi Jinping as the supreme leader of China, but also now in his third term. And who knows how long he intends to stay in power. 
Now, something really wild happened during the Congress over the weekend because the former leader, Hu Jintao, was mm -hmm. removed from the main stage. He was sitting next to Xi Jinping and then was removed rather unceremoniously because of some event that happened just prior to that. The official word from the Chinese news agencies is that he wasn't feeling well. But the actual video does not look like that's what they're talking about. This is a lot of inside baseball around Chinese Communist Party motives. But this is important because what happens with this council is how we will know the future tensions with China. Are we going to be facing war? All these kind of things that are just pressing against all our national security brains are going to be determined by this group of people. So let's take a look at what happened. This is moments before Hu Xintao was escorted out. So you can see his deputy over there. He was also a progressive dude, apparently, handing over this red dossier of information. And she is looking over somewhat concerned. He calls over to the side. They're having some sort of disagreement about who should actually possess this document, this dossier. They're talking to each other. And then comes the guy that she has called from the side. You see this attendant who shows up. He's wearing a mask there. She just called him over. They're still debating the, the dossier um, and who should have this thing in front of them. And now comes the attendant that she had called over, and he's going to ask for Hugh to be removed. He doesn't tell him directly, he just tells his associate that he needs him removed. And that binder is now in the hands of Hugh Jintao's deputy there. But notice what the attendant is doing. He moves it over back to Hu Jintao, and it gets moved back to the deputy. Now they're going to have a conversation about that, and Hu Jintao is asked to leave with that same binder. She is turns away, heading not to really notice, but he does, of course, notice what's going on. This is happening on live television in China, and there is the supposedly unwell but looks fine Hu Jintao, who's old but not certainly in any frail condition, but is refusing to move. Uh, he's refusing to be taken away from his position. This is an incredible embarrassment for the former pre president of um, of China, and he is going to be uh, ultimately that, ushered away. That kind of public humiliation in China is mm. is a big deal. Yeah, it's a big deal. This I mean, that doesn't deal. look comfortable for any for anybody, but uh, you know, this is, is this is public humiliation. And notice as he's been taken away, she, he, Huge Jintao does ask Xi if he supports this, or at least that's what it looks like he's asking him. She uh, then nods, yes, yes, yes. And I think this might happen right here. And then uh, off he goes. He says goodbye to or touches this guy on the shoulder. And then the, everyone else looking straight ahead. No one's really paying attention to their uh, liberal colleague there being removed from the main stage at the Congress, at the, at the Chinese uh, Communist Party Congress. I mean, this is unusual video. Uh, it's what does it really mean? Kind of a purge feel to it. I mean, oh yes. I, I want to yes. hear the transcript of what was said and the translation, but um, yeah, that had the uh, Mao Zedong Stalin kind of feel to it. Yeah, it's certainly not something that has been seen regularly before, but it is a very open demonstration, a show that Hugh was unloved or unliked by Xi and was going to be removed publicly. That could have happened any number of ways. It did not have to happen behind the scenes. Now, the question of this red dossier, does it contain anything of, of value? We don't know. We could tell that the person next to Mr. Hugh is Li Zhanshu, and he is a, uh, 
another liberal guy in the Politburo. And then to the very right was Wang Huning, another progressive figure in the Chinese Communist Party. They've also all been removed from the Chinese Politburo Council, which is 200 and something people, if I'm not mistaken. The liberal voices, if in an American way of looking at things, you know, you'd see the the, the progressive wing of the Democratic Party being taken away from the chamber. And that's really what it's equivalent to. And you're being left with only hardliners. And it certainly seems that within his core constituency there, he's consolidated power. So only he has his supporters there on now. Only people are going to be yes men to his hardline policies, which means you're not going to get the kind of dissent that Hu Jintao might have provided before. It doesn't happen in public. It's certainly about humiliating the former president, but it's also an indication that we are in a very new era where Xi Jinping is now very much in charge of China. He's consolidated, he's purged all the opposition, and he intends to do things his way. China's in a very bad state of affairs right now. They have the COVID issues they've been having, GDP missed targets today. We're looking at an incredibly challenging economic environment for them and one in which they're also raising their military might that could lead to any sort of confrontation if they are stressed to the point where they feel like they need to strike out. You know, China's got a lot of major stresses, even before the implications of the prosecutions that were announced. They're being taken out of the supply chain of any number of economically important sectors. But just the semiconductor issue alone, the fact that they're coming out of the world market for semiconductors, which has needed to happen for a long time. If you know some of the inside baseball there, they've had a lot of backdoors in that hardware for many years now. And so it was time to take it back and put the foundries in Southern Ohio, which is what the Biden administration is orchestrating, which is great. It's going to bring some good paying jobs here and China can go play by itself for a little while. Think of the pressure that's between the Evergrande real estate Ponzi scheme bubble blowing up, the fact that we're shutting them off from stealing our research and stealing our scientific research and not just the applied like technologies and stuff like that. They're going to get shut out here of a lot. You know, remember about how big that country is, over a billion people. You have to keep growing jobs along with the population growth, or you have people going hungry. And when you have that many people angry at the same time, a lot of people forget how much China has to contend with domestic disturbances, thousands per year, because to reach a billion people, you're talking about a number of cities, the size of Boston and Minneapolis that nobody here has ever heard of that dot the country. Also smaller towns and cities where there are corrupt local officials who are not under the control of the party enough necessarily. And the locals get angry and sometimes try and give the guy a pitchfork ride. That happens thousands of times a year in China. And that's what these dudes have to try and prevent while they're pocketing all this money while they live on the coast. So now look at the macroeconomic problems that are of their own making. Look, they were integrated into the Western economy. We sent them jobs, we sent them money, we sent them technologies, and they smacked us in the face over it. What you're pointing out is so interesting because America's got addicted to the cheap prices of all these products that were arriving. And over the years have given up our ability to compete. We became 
maybe it was part of their plan all along. Maybe we were just... Uh, the high you know, cost of low price. Yeah, the high cost of low price. But that whole investment in China has come to roost. And now we're facing a very different situation where these guys do have a lot of money. They do have a lot of influence around their part of the world. And they do have very new, interesting military capabilities, which we've not previously encountered. Um, and what you're saying there about needing to grow the population in order to grow GDP, which is what they need to keep the population contained and happy, is also a problem for them because they just don't have enough food. At the end of the day, they don't have enough arable land in China to keep supplying food to this growing population, which is growing at a huge rate, which they need to grow for GDP. They need to develop jobs. A lot of those have come through their integration with the West, and that's going away. Um, so <laughs> they, also there's some tension there. Cause like they have social media too, right? Yeah. And every once in a while you'll get the child of somebody in the Politburo will start taking some selfies with their Louis Vuitton bag with their vintage champagne and that will get shut down and they will get a visit from somebody. Um, but the reason for the strong response for showing off wealth like that is remember there's a lot of people in Western China that do not share the lifestyle of these robber barons um, that run the country. And as the economy starts to recede, as you know, they get cut off. I mean, remember, we've talked about on this program, the Quad Alliance of Australia, United States, India, and Japan. What were they doing? Locking China out of the rare earths extraction and refinement business because they wanted to control the electrical future the moving to the grid, the dealing with climate change. China wanted to be in control of that, but they're not. We are. And as all that happens and we shut them out of that, then people start going hungry, potentially, uh, as a result of these things. They're not going to blame us. They're going to blame the men that were in that room. Um, we have lots more to talk about China when we return, but first a quick break and we'll be right back on Narrative. Hi there, it's Zev from Narrative. Have you ever had a great business idea but just didn't know where to start? Well, one of the first steps to building a new business is a domain name by Hover. That's because it's more important than ever to have an online presence and your domain name by Hover is your first step in building your online brand. Hover.com makes it quick and easy to find the perfect domain name for your business with over 400 available extensions. And with their connect feature, you can easily connect your Hover domain name to many popular website builders with just a few clicks. Plus, Hover offers free who is privacy, that's free who is privacy, that protects your personal information from being released online. Don't let the complicated search, sign-up, and connection process of other domain providers stop you from starting your online brand today. Hover makes it easy to get started, so what are you waiting for? Find your perfect domain name at hover.com forward slash reach. Plus, Narrative Live viewers get 10% off right now. If you use the promo code REACH, that's R-E-A-C-H, or go to hover.com forward slash reach. Thank you for spending your time with Narrative, and stay tuned. There's much more to this conversation in our next episode. Narrative is made possible by viewers and listeners like you, who join at patreon.com forward slash narrative. Join today and support truly independent journalism. Patreon.com forward slash narrative.